Welcome to the latest episode of the Odds On Podcast, your home of football and sports betting. My name's Dan Tracy, and for the next 45 minutes, I'm joined by two top guests as we dissect all the numbers, look for the value, and find those long shots before this weekend's football action. As I say, it's not just me on the show today, so before we start waxing lyrical about wagers, let's get the introductions out of the way. First up, I'm joined by James Katz. James, it's a pleasure to have you on the show again. How have you been this past week? Yeah, not too bad, thank you, Dan. It's been a gruelling pre-season, but yeah, I'm fully revved up for the weekend now. I'm glad to hear, mate. And also, last but certainly not least, is Jamie Brown. Jamie, I hope all is well. How have you been this past seven days? Yeah, really good. And of course, just looking forward to the weekend now. Just having that football back, of course, is, you know, all the FL action as we previewed last week coming up. Um, the Championship being back, which I'm particularly excited about. And of course, then we've got the uh, Community Shield as well. So that, that should be an interesting game as well. But to have football back is, is, yeah, it's really, really quite exciting. Yeah, we're not usually used to a July start of the season, but obviously the World Cup has pushed things forward. I'm not complaining. We've got through the slog of that summer wilderness and now it's full steam ahead. And it's full steam ahead on this week now that we've got the intros out of the way. So let's get down to business. And of course, before we start, wherever you bet, check first with freebets.com, your best place for offers, tips and insights. And from a social media point of view, if you're placing any bets this weekend, let us know via the odds on podcast hashtag and who knows, we may be discussing your winners on next week's show. OK, where should we start first? Well, on this week's episode, we're going to take a deep dive into a new Premier League season as we look at the title contenders, those outfits with relegation on their mind and everyone else in between. Which means first up, we're off to Manchester City. And James, just like on a Champions League episode of two weeks ago, the Etihad outfit are favourites to win the Premier League this season. Does 8-13 to before a ball has been kicked excite you at all? It's not the most exciting 8-13 bet I've ever seen, but with Liverpool being at the weakest for three or four years, it certainly looks like a decent bet. I don't think Chelsea are ready for a tilt to the title just yet. The likes of Manchester United and Arsenal are still miles off. And while I like what Spurs have done in the summer so far, I think they'll come short too. So if there are any lumpers out there, 8-13 for a City title win doesn't look half bad at all. I'd have it towards the 2-5 marks. 8-13 does represent some value. I think it does. And Jamie, with that in mind, when you look at Pep Guardiola's men... We discussed what could stop them on a continental front a couple of weeks ago. Is it the same potential issues for them back home? Or do you see them strolling to a fifth title in six seasons? Yeah, well, I mean, look, that record there kind of says they've never really had any problems in the league, really. And unfortunately, this season, I don't see them have any problems this year either. I just think um, you look at Liverpool, I don't think they're going to be as strong as they were last year. So I think Manchester City, you know, they won't have that challenge. I think Spurs are a side that are not to be written off in terms of pushing these teams, but... I just can't see them derailing Manchester City. I just think that they are too strong. They've got too much depth. So for me, I think Manchester City are, are, are certainly the clear favourites for this year. Um, as I said, I just don't think Liverpool are quite strong. I don't think Spurs are strong enough just yet to, to kind of really put in a strong challenge. The, the interesting factor might be is, of course, we've seen them, you know, lose a lot of players in terms of Zinchenko, Jesus, Raheem Sterling. So a bit of their depth has gone and maybe that's something that has allowed them to go deep into the Champions League, go you know, really strong across the whole season. Um, so they have lost a bit of depth. I think Haaland's form is also something that could, could really depend on, you know, could really impact them. And that could obviously go either way. I think if he was to have a great season, 
of course, if you know if you've got Haaland in top form and the Haaland, I think most people are expecting, then I think they will run away at the league. But having said that, if he comes in and, and maybe causes some difficulties, we of course saw Lukaku coming at Chelsea last year, and you know the way that he, you know, his situation. Of course, a guy who, you know, in the end didn't really want to be there. You know, that could be a similar situation there. So that that could be maybe an issue for them. The other factor as well is. Do they really go hard in the Champions League this year? I mean, obviously, we've we've seen that, you know, that's never really been an issue. They've always gone far in the Champions League and always managed to go strong in the league. But this year, do they really focus on the Champions League and ensure that they absolutely get over the line in that one and maybe take the wrath a bit? But I just can't see it. And uh, as I said, Manchester City, definite clear favourites. And I really think they'll win the league this year again. Well, doing their best to stop them will be Liverpool, and after running them so close last time round, they will have to do so without the services of Sadio Mane and his bet builder talents. Now, James, you may have alluded to it just minutes ago. This is a season where the Merseyside men are going to try and push their nearest rivals as close as possible, but will the gap at the top only get bigger? Yeah, I can only see that being the case, I'm afraid. Dan, I think they're going to struggle without the services of Mane. There'll be plenty of question marks as well around Darwin Nunes and whether he can create in the Premier League. You also look at the midfield and there just isn't the depth to compete with City and I think they struggle for top two this year without giving too much away. I think Spurs have a great chance of breaking that duopoly at the summit. Well, we'll get to those in a moment but Jamie, looking at Liverpool's outright odds at the time of recording, they're currently 5-2 to two second favourites. Do you think that's a fair price? More importantly, would you be backing them to return to the summit of English football next May? Yeah, I, I just can't see it, to be honest. I, I feel as though we will see a weakened Liverpool side this year. I think to lose a player like Mane, we have said on previous episodes, I think they've done a great job in terms of preparing for his um, the loss of Mane. Of course, we're bringing Luis Diaz in in advance. And of course, a guy who I think is going to have a great season. But regardless of that, I think Mane is just so important for Liverpool. I think we saw towards the end of last season how where, uh, you know when Salah's form dropped off a bit, it was Mane that really picked up. And I just don't think Diaz has that same quality as Mane. So I think to lose a player like that, we'll see them kind of drop off a bit. I'm not sure they've quite done enough business in terms of to, to reduce that gap again on Manchester City, who, of course, who have gone again in terms of trying to strengthen their, their, their team with bringing in Haaland. So I, I just can't see them closing that gap. And um, I, I think it will be a case of maybe they'll look to prioritise one competition. I just don't think they've got the depth or the quality to, to really go for both competitions in terms of the Champions League and the Premier League. So I think they'll fancy their chances in Europe better. I just think, as again I said, I just think Manchester City are going to be too strong in the Premier League um, this season. So I think they'll maybe look to go hard in the Champions League. I think as well, if you look at their squad, I think they're, they're short and, and maybe slightly weak in some areas. I think midfield could be an area um, where, you know, a bit of concern for them. Of course, you know, Thiago's a fantastic player, Fabinho. But then elsewhere, it's kind of, you know, if they are going to play with three midfielders, I think they are a bit short in that area. Um, so, you know, that that could be an issue for them as well in terms of maybe a lack of depth in, in midfield. Um, and I, I just think that that will see them fall short. I don't think they'll be quite as strong as they were last year. So, yeah, I think second or third is, is where I'm looking for Liverpool. Now, of course, these two sides meet in the Community Shield at the weekend. Now, I know you shouldn't put too much weight in that result, but I think both teams will look to just... Put in a marker for the season. Now, if Liverpool can at least test Man City or even win the trophy for themselves, it will sort of perhaps highlight that they're not a fading force at all. But then again, I think City, if they don't manage to win the Community Shield, I don't think it's going to leave long in the memory, is it? It's not going to be too much of a burden on Pep Guardiola. So it'll be interesting to see the two teams go toe-to-toe once more. They've had some entertaining clashes in just the past season, let alone sort of years ago. So 
I know it's always a sort of dial down a little bit, but it's still going to be quite an interesting clash at the weekend. However, perhaps the wild card in this genuine title race this season is Tottenham. Now, James, at 12 to 1, Antonio Conte's men start the campaign rather shorter than in previous years. What do you make of the revolution that is happening in North London? Mm, yeah, I've been really impressed with the work Conte's done in the market. I'm not going to sit here though and say the title contenders, although if you search far enough into my Twitter history, you'll find something that's very much on the contrary. But the other one side uh, has clearly been upgraded over the course of the last couple of months. And while I wouldn't go for them at 12s, uh, I think they make sense as potentially an each way bet to make the top two. In midfield, they've got a bit more bite in there out of possession. Ivan Perisic is a great signing in my book. And Maybe somewhat controversially, I think Richarlison's acquisition could be a masterstroke. And I make him a perfect fit for this Spurs side. He's big, strong, he's quick, he's aggressive in possession, he's very much a Conte player. And if the two of them combine to each other, then they've got a heck of a player there. Well, Jamie, in terms of the squad, we touched last week about there being now six bits of business that have come in to the White Half of North London. But to expand on that point in more detail, is it quality as well as quantity? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the big thing as well. Um, you know, in terms of, yes, now you've built around, you know, you've added some quality like Basuma, Ivan Perisic in terms of the starting eleven. So those were key areas that Spurs did need to upgrade. So they've done a fantastic job there. But they've brought, also brought, you know, they are starting to build a squad as well. And that is something that maybe could see them, you know, at least really uh, push Manchester City and Liverpool in terms of having that squad now. So that is something that, that, that could play a big factor they do finally have a squad. It's something that Spurs fans have been trying to cry out for, you know, for, for years in terms of having that depth. I think we've seen where Spurs have had really strong teams in the past. It's just come down to the fact they didn't have the squad to go and really last the distance. So that could be an interesting factor. But I, I, I don't think Spurs should be underestimated in terms of, you know, the title race this year. I don't really, I, I just can't see them doing it in terms of dethroning Manchester City. But I do think they're going to make a really strong push of it this year. And, and, and for me, it's, it's just one reason, and that's Antonio Conte. I just think that he is such an excellent manager. And, you know, as a Spurs fan, I think this is the first time ever in my lifetime, really, where I've gone into a season with, with such confidence. So I think that the Conte factor is going to play a, you know, a big, big uh, role in this season. We've, of course, seen Conte do some crazy things in the past before. Of course, we saw him finish, you know, Chelsea finished 10th the season before he arrived. He went and took them to champions, won Inter Milan's first title in 10 years. So he's done some unbelievable things in the past. Um, I think winning the Premier League title this year with Spurs is probably a stretch too far. But uh, I think top two is top two is certainly something I think Spurs should be aiming for this year. Yeah, I don't think it's misguided ambition at all, really. Sometimes Tottenham fans have been very guilty of saying, you know, this is the, the season we're going to have a title tilt. But I feel that with City being City, it's going to be very, very hard. And I feel it's going to have to take a lot of factors for City not to be firing on all cylinders and I just feel that as good as Tottenham have improved on paper they've still got to improve on the pitch as well so it's going to make for a fascinating season in terms of the title race but staying in the capital now James over to Chelsea who have Raheem Sterling to call upon it seems as if the Blues have been largely frustrated in terms of transfer business this summer is this a club that now has to accept being hopefuls than opposed to genuine contenders? Yeah, I think for the time being, that's probably the case. This is a Chelsea side that just made one too many mistakes in the transfer market in recent years. And the upshot of that, I'm afraid, is we've got a side that just lacks that certain something that takes you from good team to great team. We can talk 
all day about Romelu Lukaku and how he wasn't a fit for the side. But this Chelsea team hasn't had a striker bed into it effectively for a few years now. So maybe it needs to be a case of Thomas Tuchel and co just going back to the drawing board a bit and seeing how stylistically at least they can rewrite the playbook and be competitive at the very top table again. And as far as Sterling is concerned, I think it's an all right signing. I don't think it's a game-changing one as far as the title race is concerned, though. And Londoners are still probably five or six players short of a serious Premier League contending side at present. Now, obviously, Jamie, there's a new era at Stamford Bridge as Todd Bowley oversees what happens in West London. The bookmakers are not confident of success in double-quick time. 28-1 to 1 makes them four favourites to win the Premier League. But do you think they're a good bet for at least a top-four finish at odds of 8-11? to 11? I, I honestly think their top four place this year is probably at risk a little bit here, especially when you've got teams like Arsenal, you know, really on the up at the moment. I think they're having a pretty disastrous summer, you know, if you actually think about it. A lot of their top targets, of course, you know, seem to be going elsewhere. Done a great job to land Koulibaly, I think could be a good addition. Raheem Sterling as well, but they're still well short in terms of, I think they're still missing a real top goal scorer. And I think James is, is right, you know, they are missing those players that really do, that will kind of make the difference. I mean, you associate, you know, Chelsea teams of the past, they've had the likes of Eden Hazard, a Didier Drogba, a Frank Lampard in that team. And, and you just look around that team and there just isn't that real quality. Um, so that, that could be a real issue. I think as well with their transfer business, they've, of course, you know, Todd Bowley, he did arrive, you know, only only in recent months. So he hasn't had a great deal of time to prepare for this transfer window. They lost a lot of people in the boardroom as well. So that's certainly didn't help in terms of preparing for this summer and they do just seem underprepared and, and that could be a real factor because we saw the way they ended last season they do need recruitments they do need genuine quality in that team because Manchester City have it with the likes of De Bruyne Bernardo Silva Erling Haaland of course Liverpool we know have it with Salah um, and of course Luis Diaz and other players and and Chelsea they just don't seem to they just don't seem to have that that real genuine quality so I think with Arsenal really pushing for them I think Thomas Tuchel as well could be in a bit of trouble here as well. Of course, there's such high expectations at Chelsea. Um, you know, he's got to be finishing that top four. And the way they finished last season was a complete disaster. We saw some awful results. Of course, that big defeat against Brentford at Stamford Bridge, the 4-1 defeat. So he could be in a bit of trouble here, Thomas Tuchel. And he does seem like a manager, especially in his interviews, that, that is becoming a bit restless as well. So I'm interested to see how Chelsea get on next year. But... Yeah, I do kind of fear the worst for them at the moment. I do think their top four place really is under threat. Now, staying in the hunt for the top four, James, last season we said that Manchester United would not fill you with confidence from a betting point of view. They're 6-4 to four to return to the Champions League at the end of the season. Have you found a bit more confidence over the course of the summer? It's a tough one. They've certainly improved the side with the signings of Lissandro Martinez and Christian Eriksen, but not overly convinced that's enough to bridge the gap. You'd have to be looking north of 2-1 to one to tempt me into that particular bet with Arsenal strengthening and their young side improving. Spurs have spent money. Chelsea are unlikely to be dislodged from the top four either. And suddenly you look at United and wonder who they're going to pick to top four. And that still remains the £64,000 question right now. And of course, Jamie, much will depend on whether they can get a new forward in before the transfer window slams shut. And that's regardless of whether Cristiano Ronaldo stays at Old Trafford. In terms of him, though, do you think he's ultimately outgrown the club? Is it best for him to move on? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely can see Cristiano Ronaldo moving on. Of course, you know, you, you look at Ronaldo, he, he's got to be a player that will be playing in the Champions League. And of course, you know, at 37 years old, you know, he's not going to have too many opportunities to play in that competition. So I can certainly see him pushing for a move, you know, certainly in the last couple of months or so. 
to, to really get out the club and, and make sure he is playing in that competition next year. So I do think Manchester United will be without him, but I'm not entirely sure that's actually the worst thing, really. Um, I, I've been quite surprised by them in pre-season. I was really confident that Ten Hag was going to find, you know, really struggle at United. But in fairness, they've, they've had a good pre-season so far. Um, they've looked really good, of course. You know, he does seem to be getting the best out of Rashford, Sancho and Martial as well, which is an interesting one. Um, I really like the look of Sancho under Ten Hag. I think that that could be a really interesting one. But I think the most impressive thing is they do seem to be already starting to have a bit of a, you know, identity to them. And, that, and that's something that's really important when you are in kind of the process of rebuild. So I, I'm a little bit more confident with Manchester United, but... I just don't think they have that enough quality to finish in that top four. So I definitely, definitely wouldn't be looking at Man United to finish in that top four. But I think maybe a fifth place finish is, is certainly where I'd be placing them uh, this season. Now, James, let's go to the red half of North London next. And Arsenal, if you believe their fans on social media, you'd think they'd have a squad good enough to win the Premier League. Would you like to temper that mood slightly and offer a more realistic finish at the end of the season? Well, for what it's worth, I do think they'll be in the mix for the Champions League again. I think it can give the Europa League a real go as well. So that's an extra potential passage into the top-tier European competition. Look at the signing of Gabriel Jesus, and it's a clear upgrade on what they've got. I think he's underrated and will score goals in this Arsenal side. But the real growth of this team relies hugely on the improvability of its young players. The likes of Martinelli, Odegaard, Saka kind of make that next step and take the rest of the team with them. It'll also be interesting to see how... William Saliba does in the Premier League. He's been hugely impressive on loan in France for the last couple of years. He's also on the radar of Real Madrid as well. So if he can help bolster that defence, and the Gunners can again move in the right direction. Now, Jamie, the Gunners are currently 7-4 to four to finish in the top four. They have had a decent window in terms of transfers. But do you make them the weakest of the big six clubs at the start of the season? Um, do you know what? I, I'm definitely backing them to finish in the top four this wow. year. I, I really do think they will. Um, I think, obviously, it was. I, I was kind of, I'll say, feared the worst for them. Of course, I didn't fear the worst for them. But you know what I mean? I, I, yeah. I think the way they ended last year, to kind of blow up the way they did and obviously look like they were certain to finish in the Champions League and to kind of you know, lose to Newcastle, of course, to lose so heavily to Spurs, I think that that might have been such a you know a big psychological blow to them. But in fairness to them, they've had a really solid summer, in my opinion. I think they've added some real quality to that squad. Um, you know, as James mentioned, I'm really interested to see how William Saliba gets on. Of course, uh, Gabriel Jesus and Zinchenko, I think, are really good signings. Fabio Vieira, of course, a, a guy who you know we don't know too much about, but looks like he could be a pretty decent signing. So. I think they'll be stronger than they were last season. I think Jesus, I actually do really like the look of him. I'm not going to lie. I think that he will be a good good player for Arsenal. I think he fits Arteta's system. They missed the goal scorer last year, of course, with no Lacazette, you know, Lacazette not firing, Aubameyang, of course, being loaned out in January. Um, you know, and Ketia, I don't think he was good enough. So to have a player like Jesus, I think will make them a lot better. So I, I, I think they will finish in the top four and I certainly think they'll, they'll get that fourth place spot. Right, that's the focus on the top six, or the big six, shall I say, of the Premier League. It's now time for our long shot acker. Once again, anywhere in the world, odds between 2-1 to one and 5-1. to one. And firstly, wait for it, last week's is still live. We just need James' pick from last week to get over the line this week. If you listened last week, this will make sense. A 20-1 to one winner is just a draw away. Now, Jamie, how are you feeling about this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got to be honest. I'm not quite sure why I went that far in advance, but look, let's see. We, um, you know, good things come to those who wait. So hopefully that'll be the case. But uh, 
I'm going to stick with the championship this week, and I've gone for um, I've gone for Middlesbrough to draw with West Brom at uh, twelve to five. Um, these are two sides who I think will be pushing for the playoffs this this season. So I think it will be kind of a cagey affair in, in this opening game. Um, so yeah, I've gone for a Middlesbrough draw with with West Brom. Fantastic. And James, what do you have up your sleeve? In terms of a long shot, I'm going to go to the stadium alight with Sunderland returning to the second tier after a pretty lengthy absence. And their first game back is a home one against a commentary side that don't really do a great deal for me. I think they're there for the taking. With a vociferous home support, I think Sunderland half-time, full-time is well worth a play here at 10-3. to Fantastic. I'm going to go to the Scottish Championship as Rafe travelled to newly promoted Cove Rangers. Now, Rafe had a good season but run out of steam right towards the end and therefore missed out on the playoffs. However... Cove Rangers said goodbye to manager Paul Hartley in the summer as he's moved on to Hartlepool. So I'm not sure it's going to be a dream start for the League One champions of last season. And therefore, I actually like the look of Rafe to win at odds of 2-1. to one. And of course, check out freebets.com for the latest offers and enhanced odds from all the leading bookmakers. Right, let's have a word about all the other 14 teams in this portion of the programme. And first up, we're going to focus on the clubs that will likely find themselves in a relegation battle in the Premier League. James, Bournemouth have always punched above their weight under Eddie Howe in the top flight. Can they do the same under Scott Parker? I don't think so, personally. I think they're in for a long, old season. Scott Parker doesn't really convince me just yet as a Premier League manager. I think he's had a bit of an easy ride for what it's worth when it comes to the jobs he's had so far. He's had big championship budgets, but in the Premier League, he hasn't made much of an impression yet. And Bournemouth haven't really done much in the transfer market. Just Joe Rothwell and Ryan Fredericks have arrived in Dorset. And when you look at the likes of Forrest and Fulham, what they've done business-wise thus far, you can't help but worry about the cherries a little bit. Now, Jamie, the Cherries are favourites to go down at 4-9, to nine, but what do you make of Nottingham Forest at 6-5 to five in the same market? Can expert breakdancer Jesse Lingard be the man to get him out of a relegation scrap, or is this transfer going to end in tears? Yeah, I, I really don't like this transfer, to be honest. I think at 200 grand a week, I just think that that is a lot of money to be thrown at a player who I'm not convinced is going to be given that sort of impact. Um, of course, you know, the, you know, just a comparison. I mean, that's what Harry Kane and Chung Min Son are on it at Spurs so I just think that that's in crazy money they're giving him um, of course they've been pretty ambitious this summer in terms of you know they've brought in 11 new additions already I think a 12th looks like it's already coming through the door as well so um, but I'm just not convinced about some of these signings I'm just not sure they are Premier League level so that would be interesting I definitely anticipate them to be kind of struggling near the bottom of this, uh, the table this season um, but I, I do actually I'm actually backing them to actually stay up and I think one big factor will be that I think that the City ground is going to be such a tough fixture next season to, to kind of go to. We, of course, saw how good they were in the FA Cup there last season. Of course, it's a, you know, a fantastic stadium, um, obviously a great atmosphere there. So I think that that will play a bit of a factor. As I said, I do think they will struggle near the bottom, but ultimately I think it will be their home form that will keep them up. Um, also, I like Steve Cooper a lot. I think he's a good manager um, and I'd, I would like to see him do well, but... Yeah, I think they are probably in for a difficult season. But as I said, I do think they will just about stay up just based on their home form. While it may end in tears for Fulham at the end of the season as they look to finally rid themselves of yo-yo club status and avoid the drop, more importantly. Now, James, their third favourites to go down at 5-4. to four. Will they have learned anything from their previous two relegation campaigns? You'd like to think so, but they do have this knack of making what, on the face of it, are half-decent signings in pre-season, only to then completely flop it when the campaign kicks off. Mana Solomon from Shakhtar is a good player, and he could be the creative piece of the puzzle that was left with the departure of Fabio Corvalho, of course, to Liverpool. Jao Polinia of Sporting is a handy pickup too, but 
they do still need to bring more in. I think defensively they could be exposed badly if they don't make some additions there. And in their last couple of seasons in the top flight, that has been their severe undoing. Although, that said, I don't have them down as a lost cause by any means. Can he finish 16th? Absolutely. But on the same token, they could easily finish 20th as well. Of course, Jamie, it was Leeds who survived on the final day of last season. And although they have been rather busy in the summer transfer window, they have lost both Rafinha and Calvin Phillips. What do you make of their relegation odds of 9-4? to four? Yeah, I, I kind of think they'll be in a similar boat to Nottingham Forest in terms of they'll be in and around the bottom three. I do think they'll probably have just about enough to stay up. But as I said, I, I think they're going to be in for probably a tough season. I think to lose two players of the quality of you know Calvin Phillips and Rafinha is, is very difficult. And of course, they brought in Sinistera, who I think is a, a pretty decent young player, but definitely not as good as Rafinha. Uh, Mark Rosa and Tyler Adams to replace Phillips. Again, I'm not sure you know, that, that, that's certainly the same the same level quality that they're replacing him with. Um, so I, I certainly think they'll kind of be in the relegation battle. But I think last year as well, I think they did have obviously a lot of misfortune in terms of their injuries. So I think if they can have a bit more luck with that, they, they, they should just be about OK. But as I said, to lose two players of that quality, I think it's going to be a pretty difficult season for them, for sure. Right, that's 10 teams covered in total. Another 10 Premier League teams to go. And James, Brentford will look to avoid the symptoms of second season syndrome and they must do so without Christian Eriksen. Will the Dane moving on be pivotal to their survival hopes? Certainly a blow. He made a big difference when he arrived in January, but this is a Brentford side that I just have down as one of those that can adapt to losing players. Much of their model, when they were a championship club at least, was statistical-based, prudent recruitment of players that would be sold at a profit. So they aren't completely green when it comes to dealing with marquee departures. And as far as signings are concerned, they've done pretty well so far. Aaron Hickey made a splash in Serie A last season with Bologna and Keane Lewis Potter stood out like a sore thumb in a Paul Hall side. So got no worries at all about them as far as relegation goes. I think they should be looking up again. Thomas Frank, although he's not everyone's cup of tea, he's a manager who's got this team ticking and I think they can look forward to another half-decent campaign. Well, Jamie, what do you make of Southampton? Is this going to be an important season for Ralph Hasenhutl? Dare I say, would you put him towards the top of the first manager to be sacked odds? Yeah, I mean, you'd have to, to be honest. I mean, last season was, was pretty poor. I mean, it's difficult to kind of gauge what their ambitions as a club are. I mean, they do seem like a club that like, they had obviously some very good years, but they've just never really been able to properly kick on. So difficult to kind of gauge where they will be aiming for this year. But again, I think it's just another club that will be kind of fighting uh, for survival this year on and not doing particularly much more. I think they've done some pretty good business, though. Um, having said that, they've brought in some pretty nice young players. I think Joe Rebo is a really interesting addition. I think he's a guy who, you know, obviously I, I, I saw a lot of at Charlton and I thought he was a very good player. Obviously, went to Rangers, has done a good job there as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how Joe Rebo gets on in the Premier League now. I think he's definitely a player that, that always looked kind of destined to, to play in England's top division. So, Intrigued to see how he gets on, but I think ultimately for Southampton, I think they're probably in for another pretty average year. And I think there will be a side that, again, will be safe, but I think most of the season they will be battered in relegation. I think as well to lose a player like Armando Brogia as well um, is, is probably a big blow. That's kind of a loss of goals there. So, yeah, difficult to kind of see how they, you know, I, I can't see them doing much more than, than just trying to fight for survival this year. Now, James, of course, it wouldn't be a Premier League episode of the Odds On podcast without mentioning our good friends Everton. Richarlison's gone. They lost 4-0 in pre-season to Minnesota. They have no money. Does 10-3 to, to go down seem generous to you? 
I think you'd have to say it is for all the reasons above. We've seen in pre-season that they haven't learned a great deal on the defensive front going forward. I know people talk about Anthony Gordon like he's the answer to something, but I'm still to be convinced there. And yeah, he's had his injuries, but just five goals last season for certain Dominic Calvert-Lewin doesn't inspire much confidence this time around. And you've got to wonder whether he can give them enough games, let alone goals, to keep them alive. And with at least two of the promoted sides seemingly giving it a real go to be competitive, you've got to worry about a few of those sides that have been struggling to keep their heads above water and the Toffees definitely slot into that category. Now, Jamie, what about Leicester? They've not bought a player yet this summer, the only Premier League club not to do so, and Cashmas Michael looks on his way to Nice. What do you make of the Foxes' hunt for a European return next season? I think last year, of course, they did have a very disappointing year and I think that that had a lot to do with how far they went in Europe and not being able to to manage being able to play Thursdays and then again on Sunday or Saturday. I think that that probably uh, caused them to have a very underwhelming season. So that could be quite interesting to see how they do get on now that they've got no European fo- football to focus on. But I really, I would be kind of avoiding Leicester at all costs in terms of finishing in, in those European places. I just can't see it. Um, for me, I think Brendan Rodgers' time at the King Power probably is up, of course, last year was very underwhelming. So I, I, I just can't see them really kicking on. Of course, you know, there is a, not, not the best feeling at the moment at the King Power. You know, they haven't managed to sign anyone yet. And of course, you know, coming off the back of a difficult year as well. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a very difficult situation that they find themselves in. Of course, in terms of their recruitment, you know, they, they are in a position really where obviously their squad is so bloated that they do need to sell before they can buy um, so they're in obviously in a very tricky position. Um, of course, if they are going to look to bring players in, that probably would need them to, to, to release one of their big players, like Sir James Madison or a Harvey Barnes. And, that, and that, that would be pretty disastrous if they were to lose one of those top players. So, yeah, I, I definitely would not be looking at Leicester for a European finish this season. Well, talking of Europe, let's focus on those clubs that will want to break the glass ceiling. First up, Newcastle. Now, James, has their 11th place finish of last season actually meant too much improvement too soon? And are the expectations of a 7th place standing this time round too high for Eddie Howe and his current crop? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. If I was Eddie Howe, I'd have definitely put the brakes on when they got to about 15th and then looked to have hit 11th or 12th this time around. But yeah, you've got to say 7th is a tad optimistic. They've been somewhat frustrated in the transfer market thus far. Howe hasn't been able to bring in all the players that he'd like to. And despite that, there will be pressure on him to keep his side on that upward trajectory. But what you'll have to say about them, though, is if they start well, they've got the financial clout to really have a go at it in January to hammer home a good position. And you can't say that about some of the other sides who have similar short-term aspirations as them. Newcastle could easily spend £100 million in January if they thought it would give them an extra push towards Europe. Could West Ham? Could Wolves? Would anyone else get a checkbook out to that extent? I don't think so. And that's Newcastle's trump card to play. Yeah, I think the bookmakers have taken a slight leap of faith with their pricing in this. And I think if they get the players, then that seventh looks a bit more likely. As of right now, I don't quite see it. I think it's going to be a bit of a millstone, as I've just kind of described about Eddie Howe, that too much too soon, the pressure's now going to be on his shoulders. It's a great position to be in, but almost the position that is a season too early, perhaps. And when you consider seventh place, that was where West Ham were last season, and they want to be in the European mix again. So, Jamie, they've had a £30.5 million deal agreed for Gianluca Schimacca. Can that help their 4-1 to odds mm. of a top six finish? Yeah, I do really, as a, again, on Newcastle, I do really like the look of them and, and West Ham. And I think these probably will be the two kind of the best of the rest, really. I think in terms of the top six for West Ham, I don't see that happening. I think, you know, the traditional top six is probably, 
you know, that that will kind of be how it is next season. But look, I think West Ham, they've been pretty ambitious in the window so far. I think Skamaka is a really interested signing. He had a brilliant year in Serie A last year, got 16 goals. He's only 23 years of age, so that could be interesting to see how he, you know, he comes over here and maybe how he adapts as well. I think we've seen in the past how, you know, sometimes some Italians have come over here in the Premier League and they have struggled. So it'll be interesting to see how he does get on. But I think on paper, that does look like a really good signing. Kostic is another one that does look like he's been linked. Of course, a guy who played a big part in Frankfurt's Europa League win last year. Um, so that could be an interesting sign if they get him done. Of course, they've got Flynn Dows, um, who looks like a nice young signing as well. Obviously, big, big factor. They managed to keep Declan Rice as well. And I just think that he is by far the best player from, from any of the clubs outside the top six. Um, so I think to have him in the team will, will certainly be a big factor for them next year. I don't, as I said, I don't see them breaking into the top six, but I definitely see them being the best of the rest. So I think a seventh play finish is, is probably where West Ham can expect next year. Let's move on to the Midlands next. And this will be the first Premier League season that Steven Gerrard begins as a manager. Now, Aston Villa can be exciting on their day and have purchased some interesting arrivals across the course of the summer. James, what do you make of 8-11 to 11 for them to finish in the top 10? Jury's out for me, although if you needed a reminder that Aston Villa are absolutely loaded, the permanent pickup of Philip Coutinho on big wages and the acquisition of Diego Carlos from Sevilla certainly hit those points home. Although I look at the top half of last season's Premier League and wonder who they could dislodge. Brighton are the obvious candidates, but Newcastle will be eyeing them up too. Maybe Wolves could have a bit of a dip, having not brought in many players. Do still have my doubts over Steven Gerrard as a manager at this level as well. There's pressure on him this year. He does look the parts. But can he now start delivering for Villa? This is slowly becoming his team. And he didn't pull up any trees last year. So I'll be watching with plenty of interest to see if he can take this Villa side to the next level. But right now, 8-11 to doesn't really scream value to me. Well, Jamie, staying in the Midlands, what do you make of Wolves? It might not be the label that they want, but are they the new Burnley or at least the most offensive team in the league, is a top 10 finish at odds of 12-5 to 5, the best that they can hope for? Yeah, I, I definitely see them finishing that top half, but I think, you know, any more than kind of a 10th, ninth place finish, I just don't see it happening really. Um, of course, they brought in Nathan Collins, which I think is a really nice signing, but otherwise, it's been a pretty underwhelming summer uh, from them. Of course, they did finish eighth last year, but of course, with Newcastle, I think expecting probably quite a fairly strong season. You know, West Ham, of course, being strong. Aston Villa strengthening as well. I think, you know, you're probably looking at that ninth or tenth for them. So, yeah, kind of, I, I think they'll probably end up um, just about finishing in that top half. But I do see them doing it because I, I think they've still got some real quality. Of course, the likes of Pedro Neto, hopefully if he can stay fit. Um, and, and so they've got some quality in there. So top half, I think so. But any more than that, I just don't see it. Those 12-5 to 5 odds are shorter on the South Coast, James, as Brighton will look to fly into the top 10. What do you think the Seagulls can do under Graham Potter? And does odds of 6-5 to 5 for 10th or better interest you before we get underway next week? Well, it's no secret that Brighton are just one of those teams I love to back in any capacity. One week they're putting in beautiful displays and putting one of the big boys to the sword. The next they look pretty flat and lifeless and get beat by a side that they should be getting the better off. And... As we touched on, they've got some big spenders snapping at their heels and you do wonder whether a ninth place finish is about as far as this side can go. Graham Potter's done a monumental job to get them into the top half, but the next step now is keeping them there and it's a much more difficult task to do than some people may think and I think they're going to struggle this time around. Well, Jamie, next week sees us get underway at Selhurst Park as Crystal Palace by host at Arsenal. What do you make of the Eagles' chances this season? Will there be further progress under the watchful eye of Patrick Vieira? Yeah, I think obviously did make progress last year. I think he obviously got a lot of hype, Patrick Vieira. I think maybe 
I think it was a bit generous in terms of how much hype he did get. I think they probably could have been a side that, that should have done a little bit better. But for me, next season, I think top half certainly got to be the aim for them. I think they are looking to build something quite exciting there at Selhurst Park. Um, you know, they've obviously got some really exciting young players, the likes of um, Eze, Elise, and then, of course, you've got the likes of Wilfred Zaha in the mix there. So, for me, I think a top 10 finish has certainly got to be the aim for them next year. I do think they've, I think they've got a good chance of doing it as well, but I think a big loss for them will, of course, be Conor Gallagher. I mean, the, the, you're just not going to be able to adequately replace him. So, that could be an interesting factor to see if, you know, if, if how much they do drop off with him. But, as I said, I think you know they are building a nice team there. Of course, Mark Gay as well is another good young player, so that could be an interesting factor for them. But yeah, I think top top ten certainly got to be the aim. But whether they do that, I think after last year, in terms of where they did finish, I think it's going to be quite difficult to see them actually doing it though. Right, that wraps up the Premier League club by club. And before we move on, I'd like a correct score bet from you both. It doesn't matter where it is in the world. I just want that outcome. Spot on. And Jamie, this week, I shall start with you. Yeah, I'm going to go for Norwich to win 2-0 away at Cardiff at 10-1. I think I, I, was, I mentioned last week, I'm expecting Norwich to have a really strong season again in the Championship. Um, I think they'll immediately return to the Premier League. Um, and I think they'll get off uh, to, to a winning start against a pretty average Cardiff side. So, uh, yeah, as I said, I'm going to go for a 2-0 Norwich win against uh, Cardiff. And James, what correct score are you hoping for this weekend? I mean, I'm going to pick out Millwall versus Stoke and three of the last seven meetings have ended goalless and they're both going to be pretty closely matched this season, I think. Plus this fixture just looks like a nil-nil job, doesn't it? So I'm going to go for the board draw here at 8-1. to one. Top shouts from you both and if they take your interest, check out freebets.com for the best insights and betting tips ahead of this weekend. Right, time to look at some Premier League markets now. And first up, we're going to start with the Golden Boot. James, the bookmakers have put all their faith in Erling Haaland at 3-1 to one to win this award. Is this something that you buy into or have people been guilty of buying into the hype? I'm still undecided here, actually. Yes, I'm first lucky you should be filling your boots, really, at 3-1 to one for City's leading marksman to top the charts. But you've got to caveat that with both his injury record and also Pep Guardiola's rotation policy, especially if they run deep once again in the Champions League. I personally think Harry Kane is the way to go here, though. He's always going to be playing, and when he does, he usually scores. And with Spurs surely in for a strong season, I make him a good bet in this market. Well, Jamie, I guess this is the counterpoint, isn't it? Because someone who knows the Premier League very well is Harry Kane. You could also argue for Mo Salah at 9-2, fitting that remit. But surely Harry Kane at odds of 6-1 to one in the same yeah. market cannot be overlooked either. Yeah, I think I'll give a pretty definitive answer here. I think if you don't go for Harry Kane, I do think you're probably a little bit mental with this one. I, th I just cannot see Harry Kane not winning this award. I just think under Antonio Conte, I think he's going to be unbelievable. Obviously had a full pre-season this year, unlike last year. Um, he's, of course, now got a really strong team around him. He's got the likes of Kudasevsky, uh, Min San, Richarlison, Perisic, all setting him up. Um, so I, I honestly believe that he's set for the best uh, season of his career so far. Um, I, I, I just think Harry Kane will run away with this one. Obviously, again, it's, it's difficult to speak, you know, obviously as a Spurs fan, but I, I genuinely, genuinely believe that he's in for the best year of his career. And uh, I think if Harry Kane is on top for me, he will definitely win this award. So I, no way I can look past Harry Kane for this one, especially at 6-1. to one. I think 6-1 to one is, is pretty good odds as well. So, uh, yes, Harry Kane for me, 100%. I mean, even... Removing Tottenham bias, I think Harry Kane is just the smartest shout here because you've got Haaland, the unknown quantity. You've got Salah, who dropped off last season. You've got Harry Kane, who's primed and ready for Tottenham under Conte. Also, England at the World Cup. It's all shaping out to be his year on both 
a domestic and international front. So I feel at six to one, as you say, Jamie, it's far too good to turn down. But James, if we go further out, Darwin Nunes currently finds himself at twelve to one in the race for the Golden Boot. How do you think Liverpool's newest Uruguayan sensation is going to perform within the cut and thrust of the Premier League? Yeah, I think this is one of those where it could make some punters quite a bit of money and leave sceptics with egg on their faces. But I fall into the latter category here for this one. I don't think he's guaranteed to start straight out of the blocks and may take him some time to adjust to the Premier League. And for what it's worth, I don't even see him being top scorer in this Liverpool side. Despite his dip in form, Mo Salah should be still putting 15 to 20 league goals away. Well, I think a dozen league goals would probably be an encouraging return for Nunes in his first season. But anything more than that, I think, is a bonus. Well, Jamie, this is the same price that's been given to Hume Min Song. An incredible end to last season and a real purple patch in terms of goals. Do you think he can hit the ground running and pick up from where he left off? Yeah, I think with Hume Min Song, one thing that always seems to impress me most is that when, obviously, our, our, our top man, Harry Kane, is, uh, you know, isn't firing, Hume Min Song, he always seems to kind of step up. And I think last season we saw with Harry Kane, of course, you know, not starting the season, you know, maybe having some points where he wasn't kind of hitting his top form. You know, Xiong Sun always stepped up and was the main man. And as I obviously made very clear, I think Harry Kane will be the main man for Spurs next year. And I think that, that will probably affect Sonny a little bit in terms of, you know, getting quite as many goals. So, um, and of course, Harry Kane, he's also on penalties as well. So that obviously limits uh, how far Xiong Sun can go in the, in the goal scoring. Um, so, I, I don't think he'll have quite a good as year because I just think Harry Kane will probably take the limelight away from him. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm anticipating a bit of a drop-off this year from Sonny. OK, let's go a bit further down the list now. James, Alexander Mitrovic is 40-1 to to win the Golden Boot this season. Is he once again going to be stuck in the vortex of too good for the Championship and not good enough for the Premier League? I think he's more than good enough for the Premier League. He had a difficult season last time with Fulham. But they were a desperately poor side when they were last in the top flight. And strikers are usually the players that suffer as a result of that. He isn't going to be up there for the golden boot by any means. But I have him down for double figures in the goals column, providing he gets the service he needs. Manager Marco Silva knows how to get the best out of him. He knows that he needs Mitro firing if to have any chance of surviving, which I think is a mistake Scott Parker made with him a couple of years ago. Well, Jamie, although Jamie Vardy is something of an evergreen forward... Odds of 33-1 to 1 to win the Golden Boot suggests he may not have the same prowess of years gone by. What do you think he can offer Leicester this season? Yeah, I mean, obviously he had a really good year last year in terms of getting 15 goals. And especially if you consider how many you know points throughout the year he picked up injuries. So another really impressive year. So again, I think there's probably be a player that does hit double figures. But, you know, we mentioned them you know earlier in the show in terms of Leicester City I just think they're going to have a difficult year and I think subsequently Vardy's form probably will take a bit of a hit so um, I, I can't see him challenge him but uh, as I said I think he will be pushing at least for for double figures again I just think he's a guy who's always so consistent um, so yeah double figures but you know near the top I, I just don't see it and at the other end of the pitch the golden glove market is always of interest and usually it's a fight between two Brazilians it's currently Edison at evens or Allison at odds of seven to four where would your last fiver go here, James? Well, considering they both had 20 shutouts last season, you'd probably have to say Alisson is the much better value pick at 7-4. to four. And Liverpool certainly haven't weakened as a defensive entity over the summer, so I wouldn't have any great qualms about backing it. If they were both even money, I'd go Edison. But with Alisson giving me a bit more bang for my buck, my vote goes to him. I like that logic. And Jamie, if you had to go for a Golden Glove winner yourself, would it come mm. from one of those two? Or would the likes of Edouard Mendy and Hugo Lloris also take your interest? 
Yeah, I think this is an interesting one, really. I think for me, Manchester City probably will have the strongest defence again. So I think Edison might just be about the pick. Um, but look, I, th- I think if you look in, in terms of maybe who's going to be the next strongest defence, I, I do think Spurs will have that second strongest defence in the league. I think just because of, you know, simply because of Conte. Um, and of course, we saw the way he dramatically improved the team defensively last year. So I think that could certainly be an interesting one. But for me, Loris, I really like the look of him, to be honest. Of course, he did finish third last year. He was only four of, of those top two. So, you know, can Spurs improve by four clean sheets? I, I, I think they possibly can. So, you know, looking at his odds as well, I, I really do like the look of Loris, you know, winning that Golden Glove. And I think that that's certainly fairly good value. So I actually think this might be something that I might be looking back in terms of Hugo Loris um, winning that, that award. Obviously, Edison, I do think, will be very strong and, and probably will definitely be up there. But... Um, yeah, I think Loris is, is definitely a good shout, especially at his odds. Now, another angle to look at in terms of long-term betting is the forecast. Now, James, if you had to pick your top two, what combination are you throwing my way? I like the look of Man City Spurs here at the best price, 9-1. to one. I think Tottenham have a real chance of making some headway this season. Antonio Conte has been backed in the transfer market. I think Liverpool could be on the slide to the doors. Certainly open for the North Londoners, but when all is said and done, City will once again prove to be that little bit too strong. Well, Jamie, life is slightly more difficult for you as I'd like you to offer me a tri-cast. Who are your top three at the end of this season? Yeah, I mean, I've got an order as well. I think it'll be first Manchester City. I'm gonna, I'm an interested one. I'm, I'm going to back my own team and I'm going to go for a second place finish for Spurs. Um, and then I'm going to go for Liverpool. As I said, I just think there will be a little bit of a drop-off from Liverpool. I think Spurs... I, I really do like the look of us this year. And, and I just think that how good Antonio Conte is as a manager, what we have done in the transfer window, I think that will make the difference. But catching City, I just don't think anyone's going to do that. So, as I said, I've gone first for Manchester City, second Spurs, third Liverpool. And I've actually got that at 14-1. to 1. So, I think that's fairly good value, especially, you know, with, with James kind of going for the set, you know, along the same lines. Um, I, I, I just think that that just seems to be a pretty solid shout. Yeah, I think you're both right. I think the City-Liverpool duopoly of the last few years comes to an end. Tottenham will spoil the party. They won't be celebrating fully, but I feel that your picks of 9-1, are great shouts. Now, finally, I want you to offer me your best points bet for the season. James, any of the 20 clubs in the Premier League, what offering takes your fancy? I'm going to give my vote to Nottingham Forest here. They're 15-8 to eight to get at least 40 points, which I think they've got a great chance of doing. They've made some smart acquisitions and they're a hard team to beat on their day, so... They should have enough to survive and reach that golden 40-point mark. And also think Brighton are worth a mention here too, despite their relative heroics last season. I'm predicting them to dip this time around. They got 51 points when finishing ninth last year. But if you think they'll be at least five points worse off, under 47 points could be a good bet at 11-10. to 10. Great shout. And Jamie, the same question to you. If you were looking at the points earned market, what is of interest here? Yeah, I'm going to go for Palace to get over 49 points this year at uh, 15 to 8. Um, I think that would represent just a slight improvement on last year. They got 48 points last year. So I, I certainly think they can kick on, especially another year under Patrick Vieira. Obviously, I, did, I said I did maybe have you know a couple of doubts over you know whether they will improve and finish in that top half. But I, I, think, they, I think they can. I just, you know, you think through some of the young players they do have, as I mentioned, Mark Gay, Elise, Eze. I think they are building something pretty exciting there at Selhurst Park. So I think they can at least get, you know, I think 50 points as well would see them finish in the top half, which I think can happen. So, yeah, I'm going to go for, uh, for, for over 49 points for Palace uh, next season. That's also another solid shout. OK, the final bit of business is our odds on threefold. 
We all pick a leg each, combine it into an acker. Let's try and go for bets over one to two, but less than evens. And let's see if we can get another winner over the line. Now, last week, we were very unlucky, as although France did win, it was only in extra time. So although three outcomes that we picked were correct, it didn't lead to a payout. So hopefully our fortunes change this week. I'll go first again this week. And once again, I'm going to stay north of the border. A new Scottish Premiership season. Hearts finished third last season and are at home to Ross County. They've recruited well over the summer, including the arrival of forward Lawrence Shankland. And at odds of 8-15, to 15, I think they're well-priced for a perfect start on Saturday. With that in mind, James, what have you got for me? Yeah, my pick is over at Kenilworth Road in the Championship, where Luton were really strong last year. They kick off the campaign with a visit of a Birmingham side who look in real trouble this year. Discontent off the pitch and not much in the way of quality additions on it. So the home win looks like a good acquisition to me at 10 to 11. Fantastic. And Jamie, what have you got up your sleeve? Yep, I'm dropping down to League One and I'm going for last season's playoff final losers, uh, Wickham. And I think they will kick off the, the season with a win. Um, they, they, uh, they host Burton and they are three to four to win that one. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to back Wickham to win against Burton. Top shouts from you both. And I hope we all get over the line and start the season with a winner. Right. That brings us to full time. So I just need to do the admin before we wrap up. As mentioned before, if any of these bets take your fancy, make sure to visit the FreeBets website. And now I just need to thank my duo of top guests. James, thanks for joining me this afternoon. I hope you enjoyed that one. Pleasure. Cheers, Dan. And Jamie, thanks for your time and sharing your betting insights with me. All good. Thanks, Dan. Cheers, guys. And also to the listeners out there. And with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. This is the Odds On Podcast. And until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>